Welcome to the Charlottesville Photography Initiative podcast, sponsored by SmugMug, Richmond Camera, Pro Camera Charlottesville, Crutchfield, and Nations Photo Lab. Welcome to our September CPI podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm your host today, Nick Strokia, the director of the CPI. Joining me today is Chris Devon, our co-director, and Guillermo Ubia, affectionately known as G. How are we doing, gentlemen? Fantastic, Nick. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a it's been a good weekend. Um, I have uh, called through a number of photos that I'm actually trying to do a record-setting uh, wedding in one weekend. So I started off with 2,900 images, and I'm down to 1,500 as of today. So hopefully later this afternoon, I'll get down to my magic 400 and be able to provide a bride. Uh, with her images in, in one weekend, one week later, which hopefully won't set an, a bar for the rest of the couples that I work with. <laughs> oh, come on, Nick. You know you can get it crushed in a week. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> How have you gentlemen been? Things are I'm going doing... great for me. It's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday here. Like, awesome, uh, awesome uh, sunny day, which is kind of nice. So, <clears throat> And uh, what have you been shooting, Chris? I know um, you've recently transitioned into uh, into some new work. And have you found yourself behind a camera at all lately? Other than uh, Splash for a Cure, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, I actually haven't really done any shooting for myself recently, and I need to kind of like re-gear and retool and, and get back into it. You know, fall is a, is a good time to be shooting, so hopefully I hope to get out sometime in the next couple of couple of months. I'm still trying to build up my uh, my pet portfolio a little bit because I've got a lot of cat shoots that I've done, and I need to find some folks with dogs that are willing to do maybe like a trade for. So hoping to add some dog photos this year. Very cool. And and G, I follow your Flickr stream and a lot of your stuff on Facebook. I, I noticed uh, a lot more lighting, of course, uh, a lot more model shoots. Tell us, uh, tell the audience, or let's talk real quickly about what you're doing with photography now. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself pretty busy. I recently rented a little studio space here in town, so I'm trying to take full advantage of it. And I kind of give myself assignments or something to work on. So I'll bring in a model and, and work on posing on a black background or lighting with three lights and, and just trying to keep keep getting my skills up there and hopefully putting interesting images out there for people to see. Yeah, they are. I, I noticed, so a lot of stuff is one light with you. Are you going to make the jump to two or three lights pretty soon? Or what's what's the verdict on that? It, it all really depends on the story I'm trying to tell with that photo. I mean, I, I normally I set up four lights when I have a model come in, and then I kind of turn lights on and off depending on, on what we decide to do with it. So I'll go anywhere from one to three lights typically, and then if I really want to go a little crazy, four lights. But I'm not really showing those yet because that's a little too crazy for me. At the <laughs> well, we like to get crazy here at the CPI. Are you right? You're doing this full time now, G, right? I saw a message on your Facebook stream that said, uh, hey, I'm now doing photography full time. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I quit my my full time job and I'm doing a starting a business and the business is going to offer graphic design and photography services. So for the moment, the design work is paying the bills while the while I'm building the skills on the photography side and hopefully eventually they'll even out a little bit. But yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's kind of very brand new and I'm at the scary point at the moment, but so far having a great time with it. Yeah, congrats, though. You're living the dream, man. That's great. Thanks. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the scary point never goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that right now. I just keep, keep feeding my hopes and dreams at the moment. 
maybe it's just my business. I'm sure you'll do just well with that. And, and that's great that you're doing the uh, the graphic design photography element. And I'm finding, um, you know, as I interact and, and meet more people within the industry, there's a uh, there's a lot of people, and you know, we we each have individual skills where we have to, you know, pay the bills first and foremost, and then pursue a passion. And and I'm fortunate that I have the reserves in the background, and I can kind of fall on. And and you have your design work, and you know, modern day uh, photographers or creatives, you know, we have to have this eclectic blend of incomes coming in. It's it'd be great if we could focus on just one thing, but it's uh, it seems to be a rare exception these days. Yes, yes, and getting rarer and rarer all the time. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, good catching up with you guys, and uh, let's get started with our content. So uh, we're going to just do a quick recap about what we've done over the last month, and I think we've actually we've done a lot of good things. August was a really good month for the CPI. I feel like we're falling into this uh, you know, full stride where we have a really good rhythm going on, and I'd like to start that actually with one of our uh, recent community outreach events, which was the Southwood Back to School Festival in G. You were our former community outreach director, and uh, while you were still on board, you handled the Southwood. So if you would just provide us with some overview and some highlights and what the CPI provided. Sure. The Southwood Festival was actually my last CO event, and I was contacted actually months and months ago while we were still doing Look 3 planning by a lady named Gloria who works for the Albemarle County School System. And she told me about this Southwood Back to School Festival she puts on in the Southwood community to, to encourage people, to let them know about the school year that's coming up. They also do a lot of neat things like providing health checks, um, providing back to school supplies. And they, they invite teachers and the students and parents and all come together about a week before the school starts just to have a good time, just to say, hey, school's coming up. Let's get excited. Education is important. Last year, she photographed the event herself and you can imagine being the director of this kind of festival, trying to put it on and take the photographs. She said herself she wasn't thrilled with the photos she got and wanted to provide a little bit better quality photography for the event. So she contacted me a few months ago, and we set up this plan to provide a photo booth at the event. A lot of the families there may not necessarily have you know, the yearly family portrait that a lot of us have. So we set up the booth to provide that, along with doing some general PJ shooting of the event so that she would have some good photo so that next year she could publicize the event and hopefully get even a better turnout than she got this year. And it went great. We had five or six CPI members come out, and we always appreciate people giving their time for an event like this. And things went off without a hitch. I think everyone had a great time and uh, looked at a lot of the photos, and I think we put together some really good work. Excellent. And, and what specifically, where will our, our photos that we generated uh, go to? Like, what will they be used for, and, and what's kind of the impact of our being there? Sure. So the photo booth photos, we provided straight back to Gloria, and she will print them. And they have them sort of at the Southwood Community Center, which is sort of like home base for a lot of those families over there. And they'll actually distribute those photos free of charge. So anyone who came by, and I think we did maybe 20, 25 families, will have a nice professional uh, family portrait for this year, which I thought is, is fantastic. The PJ shots are kind of going twofold. One is there to tell her supervisors and, and sort of tell her staff that money's needed for this event and that it's a good event to support and, and just to show how many people came out there. And then I know she also talked to me a little bit about putting together some sort of a book or some sort of an online photo gallery just to, to promote community events and just eventually show the people in that community, hey, we can have a good time coming together for a good cause. So from my understanding, those are, those are the purposes for the photos we took. 
Excellent. And, and that's great that we can provide those families with a portrait, kind of like a, a mini hell portrait, if you will. Yeah. And, and it was it was almost exactly that. When she came to me, she asked, have you done anything like this before? And I said, let me tell you a little story about Help Portrait. <laughs> and, and it was a good way to kind of get the two communities together. And, and because of Help Portrait, because of what we did last year with that, we were able to provide this pretty, pretty easy, easily, pretty seamlessly. And like I said, things went off without a hitch. Great. And, and also just kind of previewing Help Portrait coming up. That's going to be on December 4th. And the CPI will we'll be running it again this year, as far as I can tell. And actually, with some of the past experiences, just working with Gloria, I'd really like to roll her in on our efforts. I think that she could really be that linchpin that we've needed to connect um, our audience with our product that we're producing. Wouldn't you say, G? Yeah, definitely. And the more CO, and this is why I love doing CO events, and, the, and I'm kind of sad I'm not see a uh, outreach director anymore but the more of these events that we do the more communities we bring together and the more we can we can sort of cross pollinate and cross cross advertise these events and and she's definitely was interested in help portrait and we should get in touch with her and i'm sure that she'll be a great resource for us in terms of getting some more people out to our help portrait event yeah absolutely and gee you're, you're gone but not forgotten you've laid a, a great legacy and, and great tracks for co so don't speak with the same like that I, I, think the I think the plan here is to, to get G back into the position. We just have to find a way to make it work. So, <laughs> Hey, just real quick, you know, I'm mentioning the book about the Southwood Project. I, I know that last year I think the Southwood Project tried that kind of with a blurb book, and I heard it was like kind of a bust somehow or something. So um, what are the plans for this year? How, how are we going to kind of like turn that around and see if it's, if it's going to float this time? Yeah, I actually can't speak to uh, the success of the Southwood uh, book and, and project, but they're they're not related. Just the uh, the community we we work with them in this other independent event, and then I worked uh, over July with um, the Bridge PAI to with their Southwood project, which again is is separate from the Southwood Back to School uh, Festival. Okay, sorry about that. Now I understand. <laughs> gotcha. But that is actually coming up pretty soon, and I want to give that a quick plug. Um, I actually ran into Greg Kelly, who is the uh, director of the bridge, and he, uh, he just got off a 30-day road trip that he always does every August. And they're working to put the, the book together now, and hopefully I, either towards the end of September or early in November, they're going to have a book launch party where they're going to invite a lot of the kids there, and they're going to have the books for sale, and they're going to do large prints. And it should be a great event, and I hope that we'll get a lot of the CPI members out there supporting the bridge. That's great. Yeah, sounds awesome. Cool. Okay, our next event, Splash for a Cure, which is uh, an event that we've supported for a number of years now. I think we're on our, our third anniversary, and we just so happen to have Chris Devon here with us, who was the event director. And, and Chris, you want to give us a quick overview about uh, about the event and what the CPI did? Yeah, it, we had a, a really uh, a real blast that day. It was kind of sad because it was a washout. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it was raining, so the water park was closed, and they had to move the uh, the venue indoors to ATAC's Adventure Central. So <clears throat> people didn't actually get to uh, splash for a cure that day, but it was still a lot of fun. Um, the kids got to play a lot of indoor games. They had like a, a big room where kids can romp around. And uh, overall, I thought it was a, a pretty good success. I, I think the turnout was probably a little bit lighter than it was for uh, 2010, but um, I haven't heard anything back from uh, Ishan Gala, or I sorry, Mayank uh, Gala, who is the gentleman that put the entire event together to find out how much money they raised. 
But uh, we had five photographers there, which was great. We had Dane Ainsworth and Marsha Molinar and Ellen and myself and Nick Strokia was there shooting some video. So it was uh, pretty terrific. I think out of you know the all the photos we took, we ended up with about 580 photos, which I think did a nice cross-section across all the photographers. And we did a photo booth, which was kind of neat. So uh, folks got some really nice keepsake shots from that. And uh, overall, I think the event went uh, extremely well. So Great. what do you think, Nick? You were there shooting video. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm just going to be flying the wall. I, I know about the Ishan Gal Foundation, but uh, I'm going to ask you about them. So Chris, why don't you tell our audience really quickly what that foundation does and, and what Splash for a Cure does? Well, uh, Mayank and his wife, Sajel, uh, had a first child, I think back in, I'm going to try and guess here and say 2005, and their son's name was Ishan uh, Gala, and he only lived to be just shy of two years old because he was diagnosed with a neuroblastoma, which is a, a cancer that specifically uh, targets children, unfortunately, several thousand of them a year in the United States, and um, they lost their child. Um, on a happy note, they just recently had a had a baby, I think this past spring, so they have a new bright little son in their life, which is kind of nice. But, um, you know, when uh, when they lost Ishan, Mayank and Sajel decided to start a foundation to uh, see if money could be raised for, uh, you know, the uh, for uh, finding a cure for neuroblastoma. And I think regularly, on a yearly basis, they raise uh, about $100,000. And those are given directly to research organizations that are trying to uh, Put an end to that terrible childhood cancer. So, yeah, it's and, a really great, uh, really great organization. Absolutely, and, and I'll jump in here because I actually interviewed uh, Maya pretty uh, intensively to put together some some B roll and some A roll for his organization, which, to my surprise, they had never done before. Um, so, so that's great. Another service offering that the CPI will be able to provide. But uh, just a, a, my quick impression about the organization too, and some of their accomplishments. Every eighty-five thousand dollars they raise, they're able to go to another clinical trial, and then with every clinical trial, they're getting closer and closer to solving this problem. And um, I, I, I can't remember exactly, but ever since the organization's inception, I think they've had four clinical trials. So uh, they're covering a lot of ground. They're bringing a lot of money into the organization, and it's great that we can be a part of it. Speaking of, uh, so Chris, our, our photographers there, they contributed imagery. I did videography. Where is this imagery going, and how is the Ishan Gala Foundation going to utilize it? Uh, I think it'll be pretty much the same as last year. You know, we sent Mayank a uh, DVD of the images, and he regularly uses those for printed brochures and materials. Um, you know, certainly the uh, photos go up on the website. And then just generally the families that were there enjoying the day who uh, – Many of them are donors. Uh, they get to look through the galleries, and if they see a, a picture that a nice picture of them, then uh, they get that picture for free, which is kind of nice. So it's a nice little keepsake of the day, nice little keepsake of the event. So that's great. Okay, well, um, our next uh, event we've had in the past month, we actually have hosted our August social, and we changed up the format a little bit. Uh, normally, we get together at a restaurant, and we all just kind of um, shoot the breeze and, and talk photography. But this month, I decided to show this movie that I've been holding on to for a while called The Bang Bang Club, which talks about uh, these conflict photographers in South Africa during the apartheid. Um, I actually was fortunate enough to get an advanced copy from a friend who works through the Tribeca Film Festival way back in May. But just with everything going on with Look 3 and a number of other CPI events, our calendar was really robust and I didn't find a good time to put it in.
So um, I was a bit, uh, I had, I had my, I was a bit intrepid about um, showing this and seeing how it was going to turn out, but I was really taken back. Um, I, I think our members really enjoyed this. We ended up just getting three pizzas and a couple sodas, and uh, we played the movie. The CPI worked out great. Um, as far as a movie studio goes, I know we don't have the highest resolution projector, but I thought the image looked great, the sound was great, and we had about a 15-20 minute conversation afterwards, and one of our supporters, Ed Monoclavo, who's also on the executive committee, actually brought a, um, his one of his housemates who was from South Africa, or is from South Africa, and was actually part of the uh, riot police back in during the apartheid. So as soon as the film ended, you know, she had this just great... Wow like levy of information talking about her perspectives on it and she talked specifically to characters in the film um and it was great i i you know i even if she wasn't there i think it would have been a really good success because just some of the other discussion topics that we prompted and um you know bringing everybody together one big thing with the cpi uh is that when we get together i want us to accomplish things and um, I feel like even though we just sat down and watched a movie, I feel like a lot of perspectives were opened up to conflict journalism. And uh, it was a really great event. Uh, I'm really sorry I missed that because I'm like a huge film aficionado. And I actually kind of like when I uh, kind of went to the movie review query engine. If you've ever been been to that before, it's the MRQE.com. And looked up some of the reviews on the Bang Bang Club. And I was like, oh, I have to miss this event. I had something else going on with work. But uh uh, just coupled with the fact that she spoke afterwards. So what kind of stuff did she say about the movie, Nick? She had some some good insights. So uh, just to give you a quick background, like during the apartheid, um, obviously the, the, the whites and um, the Native Africans were, uh, once the government split, a lot of the Native Africans were fighting amongst their tribes. And there was one tribal leader that they portrayed in the movie as kind of like the Robin Hood and, um, you know, the people's hero, I don't remember his, his name specifically, but I remember she immediately started talking about him and about how he would actually place children in front of the strike breaker lines and just all this horrible things that he did. And, you know, obviously, like, the, the movie has to take certain uh, limitations when they talk there, and they're trying to tell a story in a concise manner. But, but just some insights into that, too, and, um, you know, how both sides were portrayed. I thought it was a pretty objective film, and I thought they really just stuck to the characters and, and how, um, you know, each one of them dealt with conflict photography and the atrocities they saw in their own individual manners and a lot of the things going on in their lives. But um, it was good. Wasn't one, one of the photographers portrayed in the movie, wasn't he the, the same photographer that shot the picture of the uh, uh, starving child with a vulture in the background? Yes, the same uh, photographer. Um, I'm very embarrassed. I don't remember his name, but the character was was Taylor Kitsch in the movie, and it, it'll come to me probably towards the end of this podcast. But yeah, that was uh, they portrayed his life. I thought they did a you know a really great job of that. Was one of the stronger threads that ran through um, the movie, and and it, I don't know when it's going to come out on video, but I would I would highly encourage anybody who's interested in photography to to check it out. And actually, you know what? I just recalled the uh, the photographer I'm trying to recall is Kevin Carter. And uh, thinking back to some other um, photography related fi films that I've seen, uh, the White House photographer about Pete Souza, and then you have War Photographer with, with James Nockway, and and there's another rock and roll documentary I saw. I don't really feel like uh, I've seen too many documentaries done well about photography, and I, I think that this. Um, this narrative where it, it's set in a in a real environment but it's somewhat told with some fictional liberties worked a lot better to convey the photography message cool hey do we actually own a copy of this movie next uh, is it available to be uh, 
loaned out to, to members in the club or? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, there's one. The copy is still sitting at the CPI, and I, I'd be happy. Or actually, I'm not going to be available for the September group meetup, but um, you can check in with Greg Yeager if you'd like to borrow it, or uh, just ask me and just make a note about when you're going to return it. And anybody's welcome to borrow it. Awesome, definitely dibs. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Cool. Well, we actually had another um, event come together in uh, kind of last second. I believe it was either towards the end of August or early in September, but Renaissance Albums, which is one of the, uh, I would say, largest album manufacturers in the U.S., if not the world, happened to come down from New York to Charlottesville, and it was uh, it was quite serendipitous. There's actually another organization in town that is, provides education, and it's the uh, Art of Photography. It's um, sponsored by uh, Jen Fiorello and Robert Radafera, and they recently reached out to me um, just because we have this larger facility and we have this larger member base, and they'd like to combine uh, some events, and this was their our first effort to bring both groups together, and I thought it was a really good success. Stacy Evans, who is Renaissance, um, I believe, first album rep who's dedicated to dealing with photographers and also selling the product, she drove all the way down from New Jersey to Charlottesville just to give this one-hour presentation, and it was really great. She showcased a number of albums. Um, she was ready to answer any questions people had about it, and the experience in the audience was uh, from high to low. You had people that were just thinking about getting into wedding photography or, or selling at wedding albums. And then we had some established pros show up too um, that wanted to, to shake hands and, and meet the reps. So uh, it was great. And uh, Robert and Jen brought food and refreshments for everybody. And we had a, a good social and we learned uh, a good bit about albums. And even I was exposed to some, some other album products, which is uh, something I don't really focus too much my business on. But I've also been trying to think how I can tailor it yet uh, make it streamline a number of streamlined options for my customers so huh. yeah i've never heard of renaissance albums before how do i uh how do i find them on the internet just google that or yeah absolutely and we'll put their their link in the show notes and um and i, I guess let's have a quick discussion do you guys uh i know with with your limited um professional dealings with photography have you guys ever looked into into albums or what's what's your level of interest with that I have a little bit, but uh, for me, more on the design side, I'm actually really interested in designing, taking a bunch of photographs, putting them into together into a story, designing them, and then shipping that off to get printed. And I'm sorry I missed it. I wanted to attend the event just to hear a little bit more about it. But it, I, I think what you can what you can do with a single image is very powerful, and then put those together in a series of images, and I think exponentially you you increase the the impact that a photograph can have. Yeah, you know, just like a blog or anything else, it's another. I always think of it as another opportunity to tell a story, and you know, either even further refine your images or or bring more into into a story. Exactly. What about you, Chris? I know you're interested with the uh, the pet photography. It, do you think this is like a service you could potentially offer your clients sometime in the future? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've actually done three blurb books. One was just a home renovation book that we did here at, at the house. And that was, gosh, like three years ago. And it came out okay. I mean, you know, blurbs got kind of a pretty simplified sort of thing. And I've looked at a Suka book, but I would definitely love to have like an archival quality kind of product that I could offer uh, customers, which would be neat. Um, I did a another blurb book, a large 17 by, I'm going to say 17 by 13, maybe 15 by 12, almost square format blurb book for a wedding reception that I shot maybe a year and a half ago. And that, that one actually came out pretty nice. The pictures look pretty good. But, you know, in terms of like quality that's really going to last, a nice thick, you know, paper, nice cover to the album, uh, I'd love to, 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 to uh, dip into something that's a higher quality product. So 
Yeah, absolutely. And also, let me um, give a quick plug. Robert actually works. Uh, he's a full-time photographer here in Charlottesville, but he also, I shouldn't say full-time, because uh, he also works for Pilot Imaging, which is based out of Rockville. And they're a, a full-service lab that does developing and printing. And when you actually work with Renaissance, if you want, they have another service where you can send your proofed pages to Pilot, and they'll do um, all the color adjustments, and they'll do all the sharpening, and then they'll send it to Renaissance, and Renaissance will take their uh, images and bind them to the book, which was which is neat. I, I didn't really, uh, you know, I, I've worked with one um, album uh, manufacturer for I guess the last three years now, and I really haven't looked elsewhere uh, just because uh, I don't know if it's due to apathy or just because I like their product. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it was good, and you know it's funny, a really interesting insight. They say that the old style of drop-in albums. Do you guys is, does drop-in make sense when I say that? Well, you just batch drop-in photos and the album auto lines no 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 not even that take a further step back go to like back to 1980s where there was like an, a page where you insert you know the photo into it and um i think i'm using the wrong word but that's making like a really big comeback um whether i, I some people think it's fueled by uh just budgets are getting tighter and tighter for weddings or people have more of like a diy sense about them um, but it was interesting, and actually Renaissance offers some really beautiful albums um, that can still showcase your artwork in a professional manner. And, and if you looked at it, it would almost look seamless just the way it's all uh, the borders are set up, and, but it's not bound. The, the pictures are simply slipped in. So that might be a service that I'm thinking about offering later on just as a, a lower-end album if um, one of my clients isn't willing to commit to a, a full custom album. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. Very cool stuff. Okay, I know we're, we're starting to get a little long here, so we'll uh, we'll push ahead. We'll, we'll talk about some of the future events coming up. And actually, the CPI has a ton of workshops on the schedule, and I'm really proud of this because I've wanted the CPI to be a large education resource, and I really feel like it's starting to come together here, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. Um, next week, actually on Tuesday, if we can get this podcast published in time, Eric and Laura Kelly are having a workshop, and it's focused on business only, and it's called Better Business, Better Industry, Better Life. It's Tuesday, September 13th from 5 to 8 p.m. and it's $75. And this workshop's really geared towards people just getting started or established in the wedding industry. But I think it also, you could take a step back and apply it to just about any type of photography. Um, it's a business-driven presentation and I think it's a really rare opportunity to hear Eric and, and Laura's uh, inner workings and how they run their business. Eric is shooting 38 weddings this summer, which is just absolutely mind-boggling. And um, they've recently moved to a downtown location, and he's done really well for himself. And um, I think the business aspect of photography is, is really overlooked. So uh, this is a, is a great opportunity, and, and I just want to turn it back to the panel. What do, what do you guys think? Like, what's what's the percentage, uh, especially you now, G, that you've gone full time? How much time are you spend shooting, and how much time do you spend on the business end of things? It, lately, it's been almost 100% business, sadly, um, especially starting up. It's, it's just taking me so long just to research insurance and, and accounting and get all my books in order. And, and I've heard from you and another great resource out there is a book called Vision Mongers that you recommended to me and I read. And it seems like the, the more professional you are, the more successful you are, the more you spend money on the business. And that's what really is going to make or break you in the end because there's a lot of great photographers out there, a lot of people taking great photos. But if you, your business isn't set to be sustainable, you're not going to be a professional for too long. Yeah, absolutely. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And you summarize vision mongers uh, very succinctly. And and again, this is a great workshop. And I think people, they, they see all the talent and you know they're getting nice pats on the back about their photos. But do they really know how to sustain and work this business? 
Um, you know, that's a really large question, and I and I think you also put it really well. That's really the deciding factor as to whether or not you're going to be doing photography for a year or 10 years or 20 years. And another workshop that we have coming up that I'm also extremely excited about is Eddie Tap. And Eddie Tap is a Canon Explorer of Light, and if you don't know, that's kind of the... Uh, I guess the big golden star that Canon puts on their top photographers and there's only 61 in the world and Eddie is based out of New Jersey and he's coming down to Charlottesville and I guess now that I said that out loud there seems to be this trend of people from Jersey coming down to Charlottesville maybe that'll be our like sister city for photography <laughs> I'm glad I got a little laugh at you G okay so Eddie's workshop is actually going to focus on post-production, which is really highly requested. I always hear our members asking about post-production. And, and I got a, a question from Joel the other night. And he said, what's the format Eddie's going to use? Is it going to be Aperture or Lightroom? I'm not really sure. But uh, I, I think he's just going to really stick to higher level concepts. Um, how that's going to work, I'm not really sure. But Eddie's a very well-established professional. And um, we're very fortunate that he's going to be coming down here to Charlottesville. His workshop is going to be on Monday, September 26th. And uh, the, the workshop cost is only $25. And I'm sure normally outside of any other channel, Eddie charges a lot more for workshops. But this one is being subsidized by Canon and Pilot Imaging. This is another um, chance where we team up with the Art of Photography Learning Series. And, and thanks to Robert Radafera for putting all this together. So um, this is great. And uh, what do you guys think? Chris, I know you're a Canon shooter. Have you ever heard of Eddie Tapp before? No, I've never heard of him before at all. Um, and I'm actually thinking I'm probably going to sign up for this workshop. Is it going to be, I'm assuming it's not a hands-on thing, but is he mostly going to be talking about post-processing or is he going to be talking about shooting and then post-processing? What's, what's kind of, how's, that, how's it going to be laid out? Yeah, my impression is that it's going to be just mostly post-production. But like I said, I'm curious to see how he's going to spin this because, you know, you can't really gauge an – like they didn't ask me. They said, um, what's the larger format that everybody uses? What's the, the tool they use? So he might just have um, some canned workshop where he can come in and, and just simply talk to like the larger concepts of image editing. Uh, but I will get that answer for people. And does that answer your question at all, or did I totally dance around it? Yeah, no, I was just curious if it was going to be like a real tech, uh, techy type of thing, like you know, use this filter and this setting and radius this, that, and the other thing, and threshold, so forth and so on. Or if it's kind of like, here's how I go out and look for light when I'm shooting it, and then I take the image that I've carefully composed, and here's how I post process it. So just kind of curious, like where the where the weight's going to be on that one. Yeah, I would actually. The shooting or the PP, so. I would I would lean towards the latter. What you said, maybe he talks to how he shoots and then what he does to edit it, uh, whether you know, and and probably he would leave the definition of the tool be very nebulous, um, so he could appeal to a larger audience. But uh, but Robert's pretty ambitious. He wants to try to get. uh, He was talking the triple digit numbers. He wants to try to get about a hundred people in the the CPI, which would be fantastic. I'm not sure if we really have the audience here in Charlottesville, but. uh, but let's see what we can do, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eddie Tap, I, I signed up for this workshop, you know, as soon as it came out, because twenty-five dollars is an amazing price for this. And then I was looking into going to Photoshop World next year, which is another conference that we don't have to get into. But Eddie Tap just spoke at the Photoshop World that happened last weekend. So the fact that he's coming here just two weeks after that is pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And for any of our listeners who never heard of Photoshop World, I encourage you to go look at it. It's like the G can help me out here. It's like the Super Bowl of Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's coming to Washington, D.C. next March. So everyone needs to go. Oh, wow. And it's it's pretty, it's, it's somewhat, it's only about like $100, right? 
Yeah, it's it's closer to five hundred bucks, but oh. for five hundred bucks you get three days worth of some pretty almost twenty four seven training if you want to. It's if you're into photography and or graphic design, it it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal every year. Yeah, where do you uh, where do you see a lot of your Photoshop? G, do you would you say you spend more time in with your photography or with your design, or do you feel like they're they're both about equal at this point? In terms of how much time I spend, I spend a lot more time on my photography than my design work. But ironically, the design work is paying a lot more of my bills than the photography is at the moment. Interesting. How long would you estimate? Um, you know, I know this is like a very like difficult concept to wrap your arm around in one sentence. But how much time would you estimate you spend on on a design versus like a photo that you really love? That uh, is interesting. Design a lot more. Because I spend because the design usually has to tell a much bigger story than I try to tell with a single photograph. But yeah. if you if you talk about a whole set of photographs, the way I shoot, I don't necessarily shoot one photo. I try to produce fifteen to twenty photos. It's probably about the same if you count all fifteen to twenty photos that I try to put together in each set. Interesting. Yeah, I um with some of the editorial work that I work on, it's nice when I work with a DP or an AD and they say this is the photo that I want, and then I can really kind of pour my resources into it. And I recently found I shot this cover for a local magazine for Bison Sites, and I posted it on my Facebook uh, fan page. And I had to shoot a composite image, and I hadn't done it in the longest time. And um, I guess the problem or the, the challenge that I encountered was masking the model's hair and matching it up with the background that I shot against. Yeah. And uh, that's where I finally I decided, you know, forget this. I'm just going to finally pony up and bought CS5. And uh, for anybody who does like any kind of design or any kind of Photoshop work, I will highly recommend uh, recommend the new Refine Edge tool. It was a total yep. lifesaver working with this image and uh, shaved off hours of my life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that tool itself will will save you days and days if you do this long enough. It's a, it's an amazing little tool for exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, and then just circling back um, or circling around, I actually discovered. Or I found a great tutorial for that through the NAP website, the National Association for Photoshop Professionals. And it was a really clear, concise step through about how to utilize the tool. And, and they also have this new refined brush that worked really great. So cool. Okay, enough about post-production. So we also have our September shoot-off. It's going to be next weekend on Saturday, September 17th. And for anybody who hasn't participated in this, this is actually, I think this is going to be our last paid one and then after that we're going to be moving towards our $40 membership and then starting in November we're going to have a, a shoot off every month and the changes are going to be uh, there's going to be no prizes so all the rules are going to stay the same you have until 8 to 5 p.m. to shoot and uh, edit and upload your images and then we'll pick a judge monthly and then we'll announce the winner um, either at the group meetup or at, with our newsletter release and, um, and and they're a lot of fun, and I think competition is, is really key to driving and pushing your photography along. And, uh, and and right now, if you want to join and help out in September, you don't have to be located anywhere in Charlottesville. It's simply a date. So our last one we had in July, we actually had somebody participate from Denmark, which was which was awesome, and she won. So that was pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> go Layla! Yeah, go Layla! How you doing out there in the cyber world? Um, <laughs> But uh, they're great. And actually, I had somebody uh, email me recently, and they asked me to push the deadline for 24 hours. And I wanted to, to bounce this off the panel. What do you guys think? Should we should we move the deadline to 5, I'm sorry, to 10 a.m. the next day? Or what do you guys think? Is the 5 p.m. cutoff, like, the nice, tight, concise deadline that we want to kind of create the sense of urgency to, to uh, produce these images? Hmm. What do you think, Chris? I, I'd say definitely 24 hours is totally fine, because that gives 
folks a chance if they're, you know, if they're out and about shooting from, let's say, noon till three or four, then you've got to kind of scamper home. And I remember Tammy uh, Williams Kiefer was having some real problems a couple of shoot-offs back where she was at Walmart just literally getting, like, negatives printed at the 11th hour and then dashing home to get it up. And that doesn't, you know, doesn't give you much of a chance to kind of PP your images a little bit so that things look a little bit cleaner, a little bit crisper. You get a, more time to select that image, which is going to be the, hopefully the, the winning image. So I'd be in favor of some more time, but see what G says, see what you guys, what, what you guys think. And let me jump in here real quick just for our audience. Chris means PP means post-production, so not actually you know, the other thing. <laughs> okay, Thanks, Nick. Appreciate that. <laughs> you got it. Just looking out for the the audience. Gee, what do you think? You have to actually play devil's advocate here, so defend five o'clock deadline. <laughs> oh yeah, I well, okay. I will say that I I do like the idea. So I'm a big fan of it. But if I had to play devil's advocate, the one thing I did like about the original eight to five deadline is that you don't have time to to second guess or to shoot around or, or to mess around. So it really helped me define my process the first time because I had to come up with an idea. It had to be creative enough that I wanted it to win. I actually shopped for props for my first project, so I had to go do that. Had to shoot it, could only shoot it once, and then had to post-process it. And and, and it, it, it helped me to, to, to go from idea to finish work in, in one small step, and I realized where all my holes in my process was. So that's my devil's advocate argument for keeping it from 8 to 5. It's a good, really good practice and learning tool. Excellent, and uh, and I think for all intents and purposes, right now we're probably going to keep it till five. I'm with G. I like the really tight deadline. I like forcing people to get things done, and uh, and also too it forces them to push against that deadline. Like a lot of our uh, amateur photographers may have never had to work against a deadline, and if they're thinking about going professional, I mean you're going to have nothing but deadlines in front of you. So um, so yeah, that's great. I know one thing. We definitely need some more uh, more folks signed up for next week's shoot-off because I think we've only got three at this point. So we do. those of you <laughs> that are out there listening to this, sign up. Please do. And we have a $50 first prize. So if you guys under this, you know, understand the scale of economics, three people, $30, $50, <laughs> we're going to lose 20 bucks potentially on this shoot. <laughs> well, that ends our content for uh, the September podcast. We're going to jump into our discussion. And our discussion this month is just going to be simply on professionalism. We're going to talk to our panel and just bounce ideas off each other about what it means to each of us. And uh, and to start off with, uh, Chris, how would you define professionalism in 50 words or less? I would say uh, professionalism, just comporting yourself uh, completely and politely uh, and doing unto others the way you would want to be done unto yourself. So... In other words, think about when you go to a restaurant and you get really great service. That's the same kind of service you want to turn back around and extend to your customers. Okay, I like it. And, and G, what about yourself? How would you define it in, in two or three sentences or less? Well, I want to distinguish professional from professionalism because I think they're two very different words, especially in the photography world. Professional, I think, is a whole other discussion. But professionalism, to me, is, is basically just doing what you say you're going to do and doing it up to a certain set of standards. And in something like photography, where it's more creative and more artistic, those set of standards are, are varied from person to person. But create your own set of standards for what you consider to be professionalism and live up to them every time, not just when it's convenient. Well, well that's great. And actually, I'm going to use a statement that you had, and we'll kind of jump off track here. How do you think professionalism relates to photography then, specifically? And we'll go back to Chris. What do you think are some professional standards that photographers should hold to, aside from what you mentioned earlier? 
Well, I mean, there's there's always just the basics, which is, <clears throat> you know, research what you're going to be shooting for your clients so that you show up prepared. Uh, in other words, if you're shooting a wedding, make sure you show up for the uh, rehearsal dinner and the rehearsal of the the uh, the, the the wedding uh, itself, that kind of stuff. You know, uh, just some of the basics, like make sure you're dressed properly for a wedding, if you're shooting a wedding, if that's what it's going to be, that, uh, you know... Uh, those would be the basics. Yeah. What about you, G? What do you think are some, you know, axioms of being a professional photographer that that carry through whether you're a wedding or a child or a portrait photographer? And I think, and I'll speak from sort of the the emerging pro perspective because that's that's where I'm trying to be at the moment. But I think it, it's just being really honest, even painfully honest, with yourself and with your clients. And with all my clients, I'm I tell them exactly how much experience I have, how many times I've shot the type of thing that they want me to shoot. I show them my work, and, and I never try to pass myself off as something I'm not. And I think that that's been very appreciated by the clients that I've had so far. And, and, and just it's very easy, I think, in the photography world to try to be something you're not or try to be somebody you're not. And I think just taking a step back and saying, this is, this is who I am, this is what I shoot, and, and I think that's a big part of professionalism. I would 100% agree with that, G. And, and actually, in the contracts that I write for people, and I use a pretty simple contract for for shorter shoots, smaller shoots, um, I always give a satisfaction guaranteed, you know, um, with the exception of things like weddings that can't be shot over. I always tell a customer that, uh, you know, for any reason you do not like my images, then I'm more than willing to reshoot for you or do whatever it's going to take to make you happy with the work that I did for you because my good name is my good my uh, my good reputation so yeah and at the end of the day that's all you have to stand on is you're left there so that's great so what are some big signs let's let's relate most of our questions now um maybe to photography and we can step back into some general talk as well but uh so what, what would you say are some big signs that someone isn't professional or whether it be a business or an organization we'll turn it back to chris well you know <clears throat> It's I, <laughs> I've seen some bad things. Um, sure. You know, typically if you go to a wedding as a uh, just a guest, you know, and you're a photographer, you can't help but watch the photographer because you're thinking like, oh, I would do this this way or <laughs> another way. It's always kind of interesting. And I haven't really seen any bad photographers at wedding, but I've certainly seen photographers who maybe didn't get a uh, – they didn't get from the bride and groom what the whole layout of the evening was going to be, what the flow was. So, you know, I've seen photographers running all the way from the other side of the room to get to the cutting of the cake. And that's kind of the thing where if you know the cutting of the cake is going to be at 830, you're kind of already standing there at 825 because you were prepared. You know, you were ready to, to get that shot. So just little things like that sometimes make a huge difference, which yeah. is like prepare, prepare, prepare. So Timeliness. Okay. What about you, G? I think you get a good sense of someone through the way they present their photos, first of all, because this is, this is photography. So you, you take a look at not only the photos, but how do they present them? Are they good quality images? Um, do they show up well on their website? And then how do they communicate back and forth? Do they get back to you promptly? Do, you know, do, they, do they even just simple stuff? Like do they write in complete sentences? Do they yeah. use proper grammar? Can you tell that they've actually reread the message at least once to make sure you know it's not text speak or anything like that? And I'm surprised by how many I've got a lot of friends who are getting married and are in the searching for wedding photographers. And I hear some stories uh, from them about sort of the experiences they've had. And I can't believe someone would try to sell their services and act in the way they act in terms of not getting back to people or, or just some of the messages they send. So 
how you communicate initially, even before the event starts, is I think is a big telltale sign of of professional or not professionalism. I'm going to spin off another section. You said how they present images. Can you explain that a little bit more? Sure. For and this may be the design side creeping in a little bit, but when I go to somebody's website, I want to not see every image they've ever shot, but I want to see a select number of their best photos put together in an organized manner. I, I, basically, show me you spent time on your website because you want me to spend my time looking at it. So, you know, I don't want to see a photo that needs retouching. I don't want to see a photo that obviously has some cropping issues with it. I want to see professional work. Even I'd rather see 10 good images than 100 so-so images. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm always updating my website. And, and just and also, I had this interesting discussion this back and forth on Twitter about what's the ideal number. And I heard all sorts of talk. And I've heard 40, <laughs> I've heard 30, I've heard 20. And, uh, and I think I'm a li- like you, G2. Like, when I look at that image, I want to see very polished. And also, I have some kind of standards, too, when I look at people's websites. Like, the first thing that I look at is the date. Like, if your website says 2009 or 2008, like, that's an immediate lack of attention to detail. And another thing, too, that just may be me-focused, well, there's two things, I should say, is uh, is image loading time. Like, I can't stand websites that take more than, like, a minute to load. And especially, like, I don't, I try not to consider myself part of this instant culture, but for something like that, I, I just think it's absolutely unacceptable. And then uh, number two is music. I can't stand music on <laughs> photography websites. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with you wholeheartedly about the music. Definitely is a bad thing, but... There are a lot of people to do it. Yeah, and, and that's probably a little more subjective, so I'm not going to lean on that subject. Okay. Yeah, and it, something else out there, too, is that I'm starting to, to, to like Flash sites less and less, and I know that's the design part of me coming out, but I do most of my web browsing on mobile phones and mobile devices now, and if I see a lot of Flash stuff, it makes me a little a little um, uncomfortable, let's say. But, but I understand that's my bias, and that's you know not necessarily a rule of thumb for everybody, but for me, that's you, one thing. For. Are you using an iPhone, G? I am using an iPhone and an iPad, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> no flash. <laughs> if you guys Sorry, didn't I had know, to give G, you a little poke there. <laughs> he keeps the uh, the lights on at Apple, and I'm sure when Steve Jobs resigned, like he consulted with G about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and our last question for the panel, how important is it that that when you're working with someone, they display professionalism? And I'll, I'll give you like a really hard example to say one way or another. I don't know if you guys ever saw the Bravo uh, series called Double Exposure, but it uh, focused on this photographer named Marcus Klinko and his wife. And Marcus is the ultimate diva photographer, but he, he has amazing high-profile clients. So let me pitch this to you. Uh, Marcus is probably the epitome or the opposite of professionalism. What if a, a client said, hey, I'm going to have to pair you up with Marcus Klinko. How would that come play into your decision-making? Would you turn down the, the job? Would you caveat the work? Or would you just suck it up and conduct yourself as a professional? What do you think, um, Chris? Oh, that's tough because I've never seen the show that you're talking about. Or the, or I, and I don't know the guy that you're talking <laughs> Imagine about. Imagine the worst person you've ever worked with. Like something like a yeller and a screamer. Yes, and, uh, exactly. like all the above. <laughs> totally disorganized. I think I'd probably turn it down, you know, even if it was somebody that famous. Um, it just, I can't see anything 
good coming out of that. I mean, there are certainly people who can act up like that and make a living from it. It's, you know, manufactured outrage, like talk radio is in some cases. But uh, no, I'm always going to try and be kind and professional with my clients and, you know, shake their hand and let them know that I'm going to be there on time and properly dressed and properly prepared and, uh, you know, make sure that they have a satisfying experience. So no, I, I think there's no call for that kind of behavior at all. Gee, what do you think? I agree. I think there's no call for that kind of behavior, but I would honestly have to say I think I could not turn something like that down. If nothing else, just for the experience of seeing it and going for it. And, and I'm a big believer if you can only control your own actions. So I know how I would act and, and I would let whoever else it is act however else they wanted to. But but it, it would be an interesting experience and I'm always looking for interesting experiences. And maybe if nothing else, I'll get some good behind the scenes shots that I could uh, that I could sell later on. There you go. Well, very cool. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I thought that was a great discussion. And you know, I'm just going to add one more sure. thing into this about the professionalism. I know G's got to knock out of here in about 60 seconds, but um, you know, you think about events where people are paying us a lot of money, conceivably, for the work that we're doing for them, uh, and we treat them professionally. But then you also think about events like Help Portrait, which the CPI does every year, and we bring that same level of professionalism into mm -hmm. a shoot where the people are. In, off, in many cases, very disadvantaged. And we make them feel at ease and make them feel like they're special. Um, and it's that kind of professionalism that I think stands out, like, you know, heads above the rest of uh, the folks that are out there doing stuff sometimes. So, Great. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. Professionalism isn't about getting paid. I think professionalism is how you act. And I know for a lot of the CO events we did, we, we always told people, you know, this is act like a, a paying client, even though it's not. We want that level of professionalism. And I think someone who really is a professional, that's that's who they are. Not doesn't matter what, what the paycheck is at the end of the day. So I think that's a great point, Chris. Yeah, yeah. beautiful, G. You summed it up just right. And just to pony off of uh, Chris's point, um, a really good pat on the back for the CPI. I've always been told that we have a very professional organization. Um, I spoke with Maggie Guggenheimer um, at a, a social event, I believe it was at the bridge, and, and she made it a point to say to me that she's always been very impressed with the uh, professionalism of our group. So I want to thank everybody who participates in, in community outreach or, or just whether or not gets out there in the community and spreads the name about the CPI. Another big pat on the back too is, is during look three, um, we were really highly commended uh, for the way we conducted ourselves. And uh, I really appreciate that. I know the rest of the executive committee appreciates that. And uh, it's, it's a great way to carry ourselves and portray the organization. So, Yeah. Well, that, that's great. That wraps up our uh, discussion on professionalism. And I thought that went really well. So maybe we'll do some more of those. Yeah, that was uh, excellent. I think we should, uh, we should discuss stuff like that with every podcast. So that was terrific. Well, great. Well, just to conclude and wrap things up, we talked about some of our past events. We talked about the Southwood um, Community Festival. We also talked about the Splash for a Cure. And we also talked to a number of workshops that are coming up. And you can see all of that and, uh, and actually read reviews about how those went from our members on our website, which is meetup.com slash CPI. And we'll also include that link in the show notes. Um, I want to thank the panel, I want to thank G, and I want to thank Chris. Uh, it, was, it was great talking with you guys this morning. I also want to be sure to thank our sponsors, Smug Mug, Richmond Camera, Pro Camera Charlottesville, Crutchfeld, and Nation's Photo Lab. Most of all, I want to thank you for joining us today. We couldn't do this podcast without you guys. To learn more about the Charlottesville Photography Initiative, you can visit us online at meetup.com forward slash the CPI, and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Membership right now is $20 a year, which qualifies you for our events, education, networking, community outreach opportunities. 
we'll be changing over our membership fees to $40 starting 1 November 2012. So I don't want to encourage you to go ahead and get your membership due paid right now. But if you want to avoid that overlap, um, it's probably a good idea to sign up right now. Hey, well, Nick, I just want to dive in there. Sorry to uh, blow your ending. But, no, it's uh, right. Would that be 1st November 2011? That's going to be 1 November 2011. Ah, there we go. Did so, I say 2012? You did say 2012. That's what it says here in the show notes. <laughs> it so. says it in the show notes, but uh, it's going to be in uh, two months from now. So 1 November 2012, we're going to be changing over to $40 a month. No, that's 1 November 2011. 2011. I keep <laughs> you on just said 2012 again. Dude. I'm not going to look at the show notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we look forward to seeing our viewing audience again in October, or listening audience again in October. Also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the cast. Thanks again, everyone, and in the meantime, keep shooting. Mm-hmm.